homestead, as an annex to be used on occasion. Such a house my father built after the Civil War, and when he married my mother, they went to live in it. It was completely covered with vines, climbing roses and honeysuckles. From the garden it looked like an arbor. The little porch was hidden from view by a screen of yellow roses and southern smilax. It was the favorite haunt of hummingbirds and bees. The Keller homestead, where the family lived, was a few steps from our little rose bower. It was called Ivy Green because the house and the surrounding trees and fences were covered with beautiful English ivy. Its old-fashioned garden was the paradise of my childhood. Even in the days before my teacher came, I used to feel along the square, stiff boxwood hedges and, guided by the sense of smell, would find the first violets and lilies. There, too, after a fit of temper, I went to find comfort and to hide my hot face in the cool leaves and grass. What joy it was to lose myself in that garden of flowers, to wander happily from spot to spot, until, coming suddenly upon a beautiful vine, I recognized it by its leaves and blossoms, and knew it was the vine which covered the tumble-down summer house at the farther end of the garden. Here also were trailing clematis, drooping jessamine, and some rare sweet flowers called butterfly lilies, because their fragile petals resemble butterfly wings. But the roses, they were the loveliest of all. Never have I found in the greenhouses of the north such heart-satisfying roses as the climbing roses of my southern home. They used to hang in long festoons from our porch, filling the whole air with their fragrance, untainted by any earthy smell. And in the early morning, washed in the dew, they felt so soft, so pure. I couldn't help wondering if they didn't resemble the asphodels of God's garden. The beginning of my life was simple, and much like every other little life. I came, I saw, I conquered, as the first baby in the family always does. There was the usual amount of discussion as to a name for me. The first baby in the family wasn't to be lightly named. Everyone was emphatic about that. My father suggested the name of Mildred Campbell, an ancestor whom he highly esteemed, and he declined to take any further part in the discussion. My mother solved the problem by giving it as her wish that I should be called after her mother, whose maiden name was Helen Everett. But in the excitement of carrying me to church, my father lost the name on the way, very naturally, since it was one in which he had declined to have a part. When the minister asked him for it, he just remembered that it had been decided to call me after my grandmother, and he gave her name as Helen Adams. I am told that while I was still in long dresses, I showed many signs of an eager, self-asserting disposition. Everything that I saw other people do, I insisted upon imitating. At six months, I could pipe out, Howdy! And one day I attracted everyone's attention by saying, Tee, 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 quite plainly. Even after my illness, I remembered one of the words I had learned in these early months. It was the word water, and I continued to make some sound for that word after all other speech was lost.
I ceased making the sound Wawa only when I learned to spell the word. They tell me I walked the day I was a year old. My mother had just taken me out of the bathtub and was holding me in her lap when I was suddenly attracted by the flickering shadows of leaves that danced in the sunlight on the smooth floor. I slipped from my mother's lap and almost ran toward them. The impulse gone, I fell down and cried for her to take me up in her arms. These happy days didn't last long. One brief spring, musical with the song of robin and mockingbird. One summer, rich in fruit and roses. One autumn of gold and crimson sped by and left their gifts at the feet of an eager, delighted child. Then, in the dreary month of February, came the illness which...